I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. The Dinner Party Show needs your support, and it's not going to cost you a dime. If you're getting ready to shop on Amazon, start at thedinnerpartyshow.com. Click through the Amazon Gold Box on our homepage. And a percentage of those purchases will help support the show at no extra cost to you. The same goes for all the buy links on our site, including our guest products and all the items featured in Christopher and Eric's favorites. Thank you for listening. And thank you for your support. And now it's time for another episode episode of the dinner party show brought to you by you you are listening to the dinner party show with christopher rice and eric shaw quinn i'm jenny johnson and i'm a bell enthusiast i went to a marvelous party Christopher, this is only going to work if we speak one at a time. Fine, you first, Eric. From the Sunset Strip in beautiful West Hollywood, California, it's The Dinner Party Show, the Internet's first live comedy variety show with your hosts, New York Times best-selling authors, Christopher Rice. No, there's actually a new study that confirms every other child you see on the street is a ghost. <laughs> and Eric Shaw Quinn. I don't want to talk too much, but... Okay, no, no, no. We're going to take up a collection for the stained glass window. Now we want the dirt. Featuring reports from their largely unqualified staff of special correspondents. Sex is like Christmas. It's the not knowing what you're going to get that makes it exciting. New York is a giant trash island infested by has-been theater queens. If we're really serious about cutting federal spending, the biggest waste of public funds I can think of is Congress. Taste snaps for Jesus! The Dinner Party Show. Everyone gets served. Tonight's live cast is streaming to you live and for free through the dinnerpartyshow.com and our free mobile app. And now, direct from the kitchen by way of the Get out of my office. It's your hosts, Christopher and Eric. Christopher Wright. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and you're listening to the Dinner Party Show's live cast for October 11th, 2015. And tonight we will not be talking about a new organization called Fight the New Drug. Okay. A supposedly non religious activist group. Supposedly. Founded by Mormons oh. who mm. claim to be tackling the issue of porn addiction in this country with What's their catchphrase and hashtag. Porn kills love. It does. Apparently so. We oh. would, however, like to congratulate its members on having so many offers for good and lasting romantic relationships that they had to invent a hashtag in an organization just so they could humble brag about it. In the meantime, we'd like to invite them to fuck off and leave those of us who aren't being constantly pursued by our true loves to enjoy our porn until he or she or they show up. Touched a nerve. We'd also like to note <laughs> that the science behind porn addiction is dubious at best. 
Yes. There's science. Uh-huh. And experts in the neuroscience of chemical addiction in general have voiced concerns. This organization <coughs> is a pretext for the creation of a for-profit recovery industry funded by those whose private sexual fantasies conflict with the religious views forced on them as children. Hmm. And it sounds like a fun retreat house. <laughs> Maybe in a porn film. Uh-huh. That not said, with the Mormon Church's involvement in Proposition 8 still fresh on our minds here in California, we'd like to roll out the hashtag Mormons Kill Truth. That's good. Failing that, we'll try Mormon Blames Porn for the fact that her boyfriend just wasn't really that into her. But until Harsh. then, <laughs> we're not talking about any of it because we're going to be too busy watching porn. It's a good thing we have a good Wi-Fi connection. I'm watching some right now. Oh, that's really, yeah, that's the joy, the beauty of radio. Okay, also, we do not want to talk about guns. We think there has been more than enough talk. We think it's well past time for ineffectual windbags who are being very well paid to allegedly run the country and Mm -hmm. keep us safe to shut the hell up and actually do something. But since they've been bought and paid for and are incapable of doing anything that isn't in their own interest, here's what we think should happen. We know you can't sue the government, but the Republican and Democratic parties are not the government. They are private organizations. We think that it's time that some wily lawyer out there figure out a way to put together a class action lawsuit on our behalf and bring civil suit against the privately operated and funded political parties, as well as the special interest groups and PACs that fund them and sue them broke for negligence and colluding to deprive the American people of the safety they were elected to provide us. We could put money into the victim's fund so that finally the people who need a solution will have more money than the people who are so invested in obstructing any possible solution because apparently they make more money from lunatics mowing down school children. Mm-hmm. We're not saying that gun regulations are going to be the entire solution, but it's a cinch that doing absolutely nothing is already not working now. So doing anything is bound to be better than what we're currently not doing. Enough said. Get to work <laughs> or give us your wallets. And that's really all we have to say about it. Here's, here's hoping, maybe. <laughs> I wouldn't bet on that one. But uh, also not being discussed on tonight's show, Republican Senator Roberto Arango of Puerto Rico, you lovely island, uh-huh. an anti-gay hypocrite who was forced to resign because he was discovered doing something super, super gay on oh, the internet. Really? Huge shock. In this case, spreading his butt cheeks for his camera phone oh. and posting the resulting photos on a gay hookup app. Oh my god. Arango's parting excuse is right up there with Larry Craig's assertion that he's just a nervous foot tapper. I love that one. (laughs) Quote the lying hypocrite who once campaigned against gay adoption rights. You know, I've been losing weight, and as I shed the weight, I've been taking pictures. Like you do. We all know how that goes, right? Uh-huh. Your Aunt Mildred drops 10 pounds on she's that post-holiday diet, and suddenly she's bent over and sending you pictures of her bare butthole. Oh, and you're Mildred. all like, God damn it, Mildred, stop showing off. At any rate, we're not talking about Senator Oranghol, aside from wishing him luck now that he's taken his place alongside just, the other has-beens and nobody's wait for it, who tried to fuck up the lives of gay people for political profit while getting fucked by men they'd met online. We're also not talking about the fact that this story is actually from 2011, Yeah, that's but someone just posted it on my Facebook feed this morning, which I didn't see until after I wrote this bit, and I was so proud of it, I refused to cut it. Well, I can see that. But we're not talking about any of that either. I mean, 
mean, because honestly, how many times do you get a chance to make a joke about your elderly aunt sending you pictures of her butthole? It's, I mean, really. It's not that often. Really, not often. Yeah, you got to take your uh, your shot when you get your chance. I'm in it for the art, babe. Right. It's all about the art here at the dinner party show. <laughs> Finally, we do not want to talk about what's wrong with Hillary Clinton. No. We don't know what the fuck happened. From the morning after President Obama's second swearing-in ceremony, the woman has not been able to leave her house without being pursued by cheering mobs of people demanding that she run for president. But from the moment she announced for the race, she has been attacked and vilified by an alarmingly unified media campaign from both the right and and the left that sounds more like a bunch of backstabbing teenage mean girls than any sort of informed political discussion. My God, if you don't agree with her policies or her ideas, well then fine. But we've not heard any of her actual political proposals being mentioned. All we hear day in and day out are a continuing barrage of attacks on her age, her health, her family, her character, and her Fucking email account. No evidence or charges are presented, just a lot of sexist, personal slurs that no one is leveling at any of the men in the race. Well, we have watched in horror as our first African-American president has been subjected to six and a half years and counting of the most insidious and nauseating racial slurs. Are we to replace those craven and disrespectful attacks with a new wave of sexism and ageism? Vote against her if you don't agree with her, or better yet, improve the quality of the political debate by putting forth some actual ideas of your own. But as to this petulant whisper campaign of puerile insinuation and unfounded personal attacks, well, we're not interested in hearing another word. As for everything else, it's still on the table on tonight's live cast of The Dinner Party Show. <laughs> You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Enjoy the hors d'oeuvres, but don't fill up. There's plenty more to come. Welcome back to I'm Not Surprised They're Still Single. I'm Christopher Rice. <laughs> and I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Wouldn't it be horrifying if we had those sound effects to bring with us on dates with people? Like they would say it's something we didn't like at the dinner table. And we're... Wow, that would be really excellent. You could Dude. really cut to the chase. Oh, right? Wow, we're being buzzed. I'm we're sorry, being yeah. buzzed off our own show. I'm sorry. Show. Thanks for playing. Get out. <laughs> I'm going right. to be eating dessert by myself. <laughs> Tonight is another You're the Guest episode. I shouldn't say it like that. Another You're the Guest. Like, where people act, people can be shitty on Facebook. I don't know if you've really? heard. Yes, they no, can. No, I hadn't heard that. That's shocking. And we scheduled these You're the Guest shows well in advance and deliberately so that we can have more time to interact with, with malice our aforethought. party people. And when I post about it on Facebook, someone's like, so you couldn't book a guest for this Sunday, huh? And I'm like, well, if your self-esteem is that low that you think you're a shitty guest, random Facebook guy. Now, none of our party people talk to us this way. None of our party. But speaking of which, happy Canadian <laughs> Thanksgiving. Christopher's new one-man show. <laughs> so I had to get it all in before you start rolling about whatever happened with your egg sandwich or your Power or Bernie fucking Sanders. Uh, what about Bernie Sanders? All right, we're not talking about him because you can't talk about Hillary without talking about Bernie. And you said already. Bernie we're not seems like anymore. a nice guy to me. Yeah, what did Saturday Night Live call him? The human Lorax? <laughs> I think he's a very well, nice guy. I think Saturday yeah. Night Live is an exception to the rules. And the, the late night hosts, I think they all get to poke fun at people. I think actual news organizations should talk about, you know, 
news. They should. But that, we don't have to talk about that here. Here we have no, to wish we're everyone. we're not an actual news organization. Frank Lozier is one of our many Canadian listeners, and tomorrow they will be selling, a? C- celebrating a Canadian Thanksgiving. Really? It's like American Thanksgiving without the genocide. I see. That's great. And today is National Coming Out Day. Congratulations on being a huge homo, Christopher. I'm so happy. And telling absolutely everyone who will listen I've all about it. i telling everyone from the very beginning. You know, I blocked someone on Facebook. We're getting back to Facebook because I, I'd posted something that you know, made it clear I was gay. And she said, do you have some kind of problem? Why are you always talking about being gay and doing gay things? Do you have some kind of sex problem? And I said, have you tried fucking off, darling? (laughs) Waiting to use that line on someone all year. Anyway. You know, it's like I always say, fuck you. (laughs) Welcome. Welcome back to I'm Not Surprised They're Still Single. (laughs) Here on the Dinner Party Show, we do have some business to attend to. Do we? We do. Tonight is our final, for this round, our final Brian Fuller swag giveaway. When he was on the show weeks ago, he brought so much great swag. I mean, he came with a truckload of gifts and goodies. Did we give away, last week was Pushing Daisies? We gave Pushing Daisies away last week. Gary Sawford won. None of the prizes have been mailed out yet. We're on the cusp of a new mailing because... (laughs) I will explain. I could explain the bureaucracy of it here at the dinner party show. But, but Columbus, it's Monday is Columbus Day, so there won't be no. mail service. So. Yeah. So I'm going to pick the winner this week because Eric Sharkoin picked it last week, and the winner. <laughs> and I can't. And I this. Guess, but I've the, got my glasses on this week. This is about. I think this swag is related. Some of it to a small independent movie, maybe a short film Brian made called A Screw On Head or The Screw On Head. Right, and there's also well. Nikki Wilde, you are the winner of the last Brian Fuller swag pack. Let me get some things. You are the weak link. Congratulations. Where were my... The weak link is a bad thing, My children were slow on the uptake there. Nikki Wilde, congratulations. You will receive your prize pack in about... Everybody wins, Christopher. Nine months. (laughs) Nine months. You'll give your prize pack. Okay. Another reminder, tickets are now on sale for the Gathering of the Ancients Ball in New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, we have can't wait to see you there. We ha- are going to be having a special uh, launch party for Eric Shaw Quinn's new novel, Right Murder. It's the Stop talking, Eric Shaw Quinn hand. Because I'm you, about you can't you're going to jump in and say the thing that I don't want you to say, which is that we are pretty much at capacity for the party. But if you'd like to be placed on a waiting list, do send us a personal message at thedinnerpartyshow.com. If you emailed us already, I'm sorry, not thedinnerpartyshow.com, but at our Facebook page. If you emailed us already, you will be receiving a formal invitation with details about the party. This week. Soon enough. iTunes review. Okay, is it okay for me to talk again? Not yet. We have one more oh, thing I'm to still do. might say the thing. I can't wait to find out what, what? the thing no, was no, I'm no, not I, supposed I, to say. I've just got to do my last thing on okay. my little punch list. All right, then. Number one was make Eric not talk. Okay, I've how's been, that going? Just, I don't know. I've been trying for about 13 years. Yeah, how's that going? <laughs> if you leave us a clever iTunes review on iTunes, we will read the cleverest line from it on the air. And this one is from Fuzzy Puppy 5010. Oh, Christopher Rice's Sherman is the perfect foil for Eric Shaw Quinn's Mr. Peabody. Eric, why don't you explain to the the younger of us what those references are? Uh, I'm sorry, you're too young to have seen Bullwinkle? I am too young. I, I, we weren't allowed to watch Bullwinkle. They it was actually, racist. There was actually... It was not... I'm just making shit up. It's one of the most liberal every, every, cartoons no, ever made. racist now. Um, there was actually a movie um, in the last year 
of Mr. Sherman and Peabody. So actually, people younger than you, oh, you're okay. just too old, I think, yeah, Christopher, no. to know about it's, Mr. Sherman and Peabody. It sounds like that movie just tore it up at the box office. What was the movie about Mr. Sherman and Peabody? Time Par- it was called, um, I think it was called... Mr. Peabody and Sherman. Okay. It was uh, Ty Burrell was Mr. Peabody, and uh, I can't remember who the kid was who was Sherman. But it's about uh, a a boy and his genius dog. Um, It's actually about a dog and his not very bright boy who travel in the dog's time machine back to um, important historical events in order to make really terrible puns about them. Okay. Great. I think that's awesome. That was always the worst it was, you know, opera-knockety tunes but once. It was always that kind of pun or play on words was the last line. Okay. And then there was, wah, wah, wah. Yeah, and then, you so know. So it's just like the dinner party And then we show. did Fractured Fairy Tales. And I loved Bullwinkle. It was one of my favorite shows. My father actually used to call me Rocky Squirrel. That's great. And I, which I guess makes my father a big dumb moose. <laughs> I was going to say, though, getting back to us, who's what? Am I the dog? What's Sher- who, which one was the you, dog? Sherman is the, is the not very bright boy. Sorry. Oh, I'm and the Mr. not very bright and Mr. Boy. Peabody is the incredibly is the genius level dog. Okay, oh, great. So you're it's a very a dog. smart it's, dog. As opposed to being a boy and his dog, it's a dog and his boy. Okay, not to be confused with the. Uh, there are times where we get the time warning on the show from our sound <laughs> designer, where it's Don sort Johnson of like, movie. please wrap this up. This segment is dying. But um, <laughs> dear God, five still minutes. Have five of this minutes. Shit. Please do say something besides Peabody and Sherman. Uh huh. All right. So this has been the Peabody and Sherman show. This has been the Peabody and Sherman We're show. We're going to talk I... about old cartoons from my childhood that no one is old enough to remember because you know it was in the before times. It was back when pterodactyls darkened well, the sky. Right. Okay, I have a question for the party people uh-huh. and for you, but I know what the answer is because I know you so well. Um, well, I, I want to check in with the answers to this towards the end of the show. Has your mind ever been changed about a controversial issue as a result of either participating in or simply reading a social media exchange? That's my question. Right. As we head into the political season... <laughs> With a, a bevy really of funny. complete lunatics running for president, I would like to know, has your mind ever been changed as a result of participating in or reading a social media discussion? And we can talk about that towards the end of the show. Uh, okay. Yeah. You don't read social media discussions. I, unless I've started them and I'm interested yeah. in having the conversation. Sometimes I think it can be inf- – we're going to talk about it later. We'll talk about it to the end I'll of the show. I'll save that for later. So that was <laughs> – Absolutely, totally. Things to come. We should play some exciting preview music. I will, but in the meantime, we want to do something exciting that is about one of our guests. I guess our listeners are so happy that we finally are going to do something exciting. (laughs) You sure you don't want to talk about old cartoons some more? (laughs) Welcome back to I'm Not Surprised, Rocky and Bullwinkle are still single. Uh, How would your mother put that? Do something along the lines of, I'm not sure y'all stopped talking long enough to go on a date. All right. The Florida Report by Amy Bellino, which we have not done in oh a long God. while, and it which turns has been out woefully neglected here at the dinner party show. And I mean, shit, it's been going on. In shit Florida. has been going on in Florida. Let's check in with Amy right now. And now it's time for the Florida Report. Two Florida men and a Florida woman were sitting around a Volusia County home talking about all things net. Apparently, one of the three accidentally butt-dialed 911 during the discussion. A 911 operator answered, and instead of hearing the details of an emergency, overheard people talking about meth. 
Police were able to determine the trio's location and arrived to find them cooking meth. All three were arrested. This has been the Florida What a heartwarming Florida. Come for the unlicensed medical procedures. Stay for the stupidity. I thought we weren't going to talk about guns. Okay. Nobody was talking about them. Nobody was talking about them. People were just listening to them. So we are celebrating the release of Right Murder, as always, because you won't let us stop. Um, I'm pretty happy. Available for sale, or it's available for sale everywhere. You're not as happy as me? I'm very happy. I'm very happy. I didn't get any sleep last night, and you didn't either. I don't know. I was just looking up Phase of the Moon. I'm a Pisces, and so are you. So am I. Like, when it's full moon, I can't keep my eyes open. So I'm thinking maybe it's new moon or something, whatever the opposite of full moon is. Is um, because I literally like boing. It was three o'clock in the morning, and I was like, maybe I should play some video games on my iPad for a while now. Like I, I don't know why I was so wide awake. I wasn't all um, caffeined out, and I hadn't mm-hmm. been ricocheting off the walls all day. And I hadn't stayed up late the night before and gotten up late that morning. I, I for whatever reason, did everybody else have a hard time sleeping? Did maybe anybody it's have like a that hard dark time city sleeping? thing. Yes, maybe, maybe we're all having some weird sort of. Um, extra consciousness event that we're participating in at some other level. And I would like the extra consciousness event to be strong enough that I don't hear my neighbor's new motorcycle when he comes home at three in the morning. What is it with motorcycles? I don't know. Why do they have to be that loud? I just don't don't understand. Surely they could get a muffler that would make them, cars obviously have bigger engines and unless they're those stupid Italian ones that people pay a million dollars for that sound (laughs) like somebody's driving their lawnmower down the street, they're usually pretty quiet. It's very true. We're going to have more of Eric Shawquin's opinions about automobiles <laughs> and your voicemail messages from the party line and your comments on Facebook. All of them lovely, despite the fact that we were ragging on Facebook people earlier. When we come back here on Oh My you. God, Take Their Caffeine Away. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shawquin, where the soup is hot, but the heads are hotter. Are you crazy? Yes. Yes, I am. Coming this spring to USA, the network that crossed the line on quirky detectives so long ago we can't even see it from here or remember exactly when it was we crossed it, comes a new detective show that, frankly, even we think is a bit much. You are insane! You say that like it's a bad thing. She's a paranoid schizophrenic. What do you mean I'm taking it too personally? No, I'm not. Oh, yes, you are. (coughs) Would you like something to drink? No, thanks. He's so OCD, he gets on Tony Shalhoub's nerves. Okay, first we'll talk to the widow. No, 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 no. First we should alphabetize these files on the case. Nah, strike that. We should catalog the evidence. Nah, I better wash my hands. That's it. First we should sanitize the doorknob so I can go wash my hands before we decide what to do first. He's a compulsive liar. I regret to have to inform you that your husband has been murdered. What? Oh, God, no. Who would do this? Do what? Murder my husband. Your husband has been murdered? You just told me he'd been murdered. No, I didn't. She's a sexual compulsive. I know it would make you feel better. What are you doing? Grief counseling. With your hand down my blouse? You're in shock. Your husband was just murdered. I did not say that. Don't touch me. Your hands are filthy. Did someone say filthy? I did. Stop accusing me of things I don't remember doing. No, I don't. If I say that again, I'll kill you. Coffee, anyone? A 
at the USA Network, our slogan is characters welcome, but maybe we should consider locking that door. For now, don't miss our latest Twitch Fest, Personality Disorder Detective Agency. Coming this spring to USA. How hot is that coffee? Don't touch me! Only six episodes left until the spring season finale. And coming in June, the summer season premiere of Personality Disorder Detective Agency on the USA Network. Characters welcome. Coming next fall, stories. Tired of dining alone? Enjoy the dinner party show with friends. Like us on Facebook and become one of our party people. Then, during our live shows on Sundays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, you can join the conversation and post questions for Christopher, Eric, and their guests. During the week, drop in for tasty side dishes, show updates, and fun with the other party people. The Dinner Party Show. You are the life of our party. TV's got no shortage of tough, smart detectives willing to give their all to each and every case that comes across their desk. But never before have you encountered a detective this determined, this persistent, and this dedicated to himself. This fall, TDPS Networks brings you The Opportunist. There's no crime scene he can't work into an opportunity for himself. Oh my god, I can't believe this is happening to us! Who would want to shoot my husband in broad daylight? While he was mowing the lawn... <laughs> I know! He mowed the lawn every morning. Any reason why? He liked the lawn to look good. <laughs> I don't know. No, no, I, I mean like any reason he didn't use a company, or did he use one in the past? I... I can't remember. Ah, bummer. Because I've been using the same landscaping service for like three years now. And I think one of the guys has his eye on my wife. So I thought if maybe you guys had someone you worked with in the past, I could get their number. Why are we talking about this? Some detectives use their brains. Others use their fists. We don't know what the ones on NBC use because their shows get canceled too quickly. But until now, no detective in TV history has shown this level of dedication to his own mundane, everyday needs. This is huge. Now that we have the results of the DNA, they're an exact match with the building manager at the first victim's apartment building. We found the Toluca Lake killer. Ooh. Toluca Lake, huh? Yeah, that's where Linus O'Grady, the killer, lives. Let's go get him. Yeah, that's like a 30-minute drive right now with traffic. And I told Connie I would pick her up from Brendan's school so we could get these new sheets she found over at the Pacific Design Center. So I might actually go now. That's what I'm saying. Let's go get him now. No. I'm actually going to go get Connie so we can go to the Pacific Design Center. You go to Toluca Lake and get this killer guy, and we'll just call it a day. How does that sound? I do not believe you, man. No one understands him. No one can stop him. And no one can get in between him and a good bargain on home furnishings. The Opportunist. This fall on TDPS Networks. Every crime scene is an opportunity for him. 
You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. And now, it's time for The Dish. We hope you kept your silverware. Welcome back to Have They Shut Up Yet? I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Sod, still talking about old cartoons, Gwen. Apparently we have a lot of Sherman and Peabody fans on Twitter. They're the best. They, yeah, they are the best. They have the best conventions, I hear. Have you been to a Sherman and Peabody con? Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. sure. Yeah, Absolutely. Dude, I appear, like big you crowds. Speak, you know yeah, you love yeah. big, big crowds. I haven't Ooh. been invited to one. Frankly, I might go. <laughs> Listen. It's you're the guest tonight on the Linda. dinner party show. Listen, Linda, listen. Linda, listen, 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 you. listen, Linda, listen. So, we put out the call for people to call the show and tell us what they wanted us to talk about. And here's what came in first. Hello and southern greetings, y'all. This is Greg Wilkie calling hey, to say hello. No questions, no recommendations. Just to say I love the show. I love the party peeps. I could not imagine my Sunday night without everyone here. Much love. Have a great week. See, we're already doing such a good job. Greg Wilkie is not arrogant enough to presume he has anything to add to our show. That's except right. love and support. Thank you, Greg. And, you know, his fandom of Sherman and Peabody. Peabody and the Sherman and Peabody people. All right, we're going to go to another voicemail on the party line. <laughs> All right, this is Bucky Man Hawk here. I have a question about book colors. Back in the, let's say, uh, the late 90s, I noticed they had um, really interesting, very poppy covers. Go to 2000, the covers become more silhouettes, they become very steamy, more erotic. Do you think that has a presence on book sales and that sometimes people can be wrong about your book cover? Because sometimes what a publisher thinks of a book cover is not what really the book is about. Or oh, wow. do you think that it's too arbitrary to, to even fathom? that people just pick up a book and look at the cover and go, oh, that's a cool cover, and then they read the end set. To me, that's like one of the biggest problems, I think, with publishing is that sometimes publishers mm-hmm. don't think about the aesthetic of the book. They just think, oh, here's a book. It's a really good book. Let's just put it on the cover. Let's just put a cover on it, stuff like that. But if you look at the Harry Potter series by J.K. Rowling, the book covers are phenomenal. And I think that's one of the things that really helps sell the book as well. Do you think I'm on the right track with that? And what do you think about it? And Jordan Ampersand sucks. Oh, oh, right in there at the end. <laughs> so, so... He does. Um, he's such a little bastard. He's a little shit for brains well, think, is what he is. He doesn't I, know anything about book covers, but Eric Sharkwin really does. Interesting question. Well, I, you know, I don't know that I know so much about book covers. I'm trying to think if I've ever bought a book based on... The cover was really hot. I guess if you put a naked man on it, I might be, you know, like, and who looked like the sort of naked man I wanted to see. I guess maybe I might be. Tim, some men you like don't need to see naked. Like, like put, not Ed McMahon. Yeah, if it was a naked clothes, Ed McMahon, yeah, you'd be like, it's a book about on. Ed McMahon put naked. Put your clothes and, back on. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I think that's the thing that is more surprising is that there is as little research information available. I mean, think of how much. Research and shelf time testing actually goes into packaging for any other product that's out there. I I am always brought back to the complete absence of any sort of 20th century, let alone 21st century um, technology or um, marketing techniques in publishing. Like, I don't know that they they bring anything to bear other than a sort of tastemaker kind of sensibility. Um, I'm always put off by overly specific 
covers. I, I'm going to have to do a scan of the cover, the Greek version of Say Uncle. It's it you is really are. It is it maybe is so one of the worst. Weird and it creepy. Is weird. And it is weird and creepy. I don't. Uh, let me weigh in. I don't think covers do anything to sell books. I really don't. I don't think they do a damn thing. Like the name. King or Rice written really large, I think, helps. That's, and that's mostly what they do. First of all, covers were designed loosely around the idea of having to grab your attention in the front of the store. Right. And that's no longer as relevant. Now it's about how they look on the internet and on your sales page online. But I think online. that's still relevant. Well, I think they look better because there is more you can do with them color-wise, depth-wise, in a digital production Photoshop environment than you used to do. And the naked man way up. Yeah. Although, but you run into certain restrictions, you know, on, on the internet. Like, if you're using certain sales sites like Amazon and you have a nipple on your cover, your cover's not going to show up in front of as many people because it may have a certain adult filter applied to it. So when Yeah, yeah. when I brought out that book in 2004 that won me the... Um, Amazon's Chicklet Author of yes, the Year. Yes, we yeah. actually had to have a different cover Cover for Walmart mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because they wouldn't let us sell them in the stores with the cover that we had, the sort of centerfold cover that we had. I will tell you that most of my covers have been about fear. Fear on the part of the publisher that if they and made it to has any problem violence and fear. No, no, okay no, no, no. That's not actually what I mean. What I mean is that they were afraid of making a cover that was actually specific to the story because they felt it would ghettoize the book. If the book had gay characters in it, they went out of their way not to put a naked man on the cover because then they said only gay people will buy your book. If the book was about a mind control parasite that came up out of a well, they turned in a cover initially that looked like an F. Scott Fitzgerald reprint with a swimming pool that was clearly in the <laughs> south of France, I not remember. the bios. That. that was like, huh, yeah. did Flannery O'Connor write this? Yeah. So I will say that in the age of digital publishing and in certain segments of romance in particular go almost entirely digital like gay romance, There, there's a who gives a shit attitude about the covers now. We're going to do exactly what we want and we're only going to be mindful of what those merchandising restrictions on the internet might be. But yeah, we got. I mean, you go on Amazon now, there are naked torsos, there's men kissing, there's all sorts of erotic romance too. They're doing as much as they possibly can. I think what I'm what I'm leery of is any logic that says the the first Harry Potter cover was the first Harry Potter cover for a series of probably arbitrary and silly reasons based on whoever was in that room. And when the book exploded, they emulated that cover because that was the cover the first book had. So I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily draw an ironclad connection. And honestly, I have to there. say, I though there. Uh, Though he didn't seem to think so. I was not actually crazy about the covers of the Harry Potter I books. I thought either. they were over-literal. Yeah. Um, but again, I, that's not why I bought the books. But again, too, over-literal in young adult is still very popular. And young so. adult covers have these lush, beautiful, you know, painterly images of angels on top of skyscrapers and all that sort of stuff, similar to romance. So anyway, very good question. They did – I remember when they – when. The World According to Garp came out. They actually did a variety of covers as a test to see how it would do, mm-hmm. if the covers had any effect. And I don't remember how. We'll have to look around and see if we can find any of that data. Well, it's interesting, too, because as an ebook reader, how often are you going to see that cover after you download the book? Yeah, and it's they were not sitting on your foils, nightstand. Yeah. Foils and colors, as I recall. So yeah. I, I don't think that's going to be relevant anymore. All right. Well, let's go back to our party line and see what else we have on tonight's okay. You're the Guest. Hi, Eric and Christopher. My name's Morgan. Um, first off, Eric, I'm loving Right Murder. So Aww. far, so wonderful. Thank you. Secondly, I started listening to the show when Brian Fuller was on. I'm a total fan of so thank you all for supporting the show so much. And thirdly, I'm also a writer, but I haven't found um, success when it comes to trying to publish my work along the traditional route. 
thanks to you both and the show, I've decided to publish my work digitally. Oh, I really love hearing your own experiences with digital publishing. So any tips and tales and hints I can glean along the way from you all is stellar. That's what I love about the show and what I'm looking forward to hearing in the future. Thanks so much. Tell Shea Butter, Joe. Bye. <laughs> Uh, thanks for that. And I, before we get I, – I, great question, and I would love to talk about di- digital publishing. But before we start, I was actually – for all the Fanables and Brian Fuller fans out there, um, I actually was chatting with Brian today, and he's working on a top-secret project. I can't tell you anything about it, but it's really amazing, and you're going to die when so you hear cool. about it. But he's working on it. He's at home writing. So that's really all I can say. But I can say that, and that was officially sanctioned from – from the Mr. Brian Fuller today. Back to you, Eric Shaw Quinn. Back to me. So you've brought Right Murder out. You've published it independently. What was the single most challenging aspect of the process so far that you would like to advise or counsel writers who are about to self-publish about? Well, I will tell you, we we did a really amazing interview with um, Donna and and Lexi Blake. And, and Kim. Yeah, Lexi Blake and Kim Goodrose. Yeah. yeah. And we're going to air that oh, later yes, in the Lexi. month. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. Lexi Blake. Uh, yeah. yeah, right. Sorry about that. Um, and we'll air that later. I, it was really, a, a, they were enormously helpful. I, one of the things that was most helpful to me um, in the process was, I've, call, I've been calling them the passion posse, but uh-huh. the people who are already doing digital publishing. It is surprisingly complicated in terms of there are just a lot of complicated details like no two sites work the same way like for instance i could not publish my ibook on ibooks my mm-hmm. my e-reader on my ebook on ibooks right <laughs> say that five times right? fast right um on my pc, PC. i had to transfer the files to my Apple laptop mm-hmm. in order to post them on iBooks. Mm-hmm. Like, and who would know that, right? Because right. you have to download a particular piece of software that works only on a Mac, so you can't even publish your book there. And there was a whole series of things: timing, um, how things worked out, uh, the, the in doing the print versions, what, right. what covers and which would work, which would look right, how and. Pricing is also a very complicated issue. And so I would say the greatest resource that I found was other people who've been in digital publishing. And yes, and you can actually hire people. And next week, Liliana Hart will be our guest. She is an internet publishing pioneer and incredibly successful. And she is going to, um, she goes, she travels the country visiting certain chapters of Romance Writers of America. I will tell you, even if you don't write romance, the place where this knowledge base really exists. It's in the romance posse. community. I'm telling you. It really is. So go to the blogs but uh, maintained by romance writers. Uh, uh, Courtney Milan is another one who was one of the first to get her old rights back and put them out on her blog. She talked extensively about um, what your rights are worth to you, how you can self-publish. And this knowledge is being shared rather wildly, uh, wildly, widely, excuse me, and in a very communal way in romance in particular. So I, I you know, and yeah. we'll keep having them on the show. So it, it's, it's an exciting possibility. I mean, we're in an era where content is king, and I think that's great but i think just simply i'll bring it out digitally like i think there's a lot to making that decision so i would say well in advance of your decision to do so i would talk with people who have done it before all righty let's go back to the party line and see what else we have all right then 
Hey guys, it's Abby. I think on the show tonight, since it's October, you should talk about the best and worst Halloween costumes that you've ever had. All right. Thank you. Bye. My uh, my worst Halloween costume was actually the Coven Party three years ago because I I bought this in, very expensive and very ornate, almost like Game of Thrones Viking Berserker thing and gave no thought to the fact that it needed a mask of some sort or I had to do something with my hair. So I looked like a high school kid that had put on a Berserker costume. Like, I just looked ridiculous. Like, and it's in all these fucking pictures and there's nothing I could do about it. Maybe Rand Valeron, our resident Photoshop artist, will make me look more Berserker-like. Well, first I'd just like to say... You didn't look like a high school student. <laughs> you... <laughs> You're too stupid to be in a book signing. <laughs> I look like a high school theater student that had gotten a loose in the, yeah, in the that, costume that department. That didn't happen. Like, All right, good, because I look better than I did when I was in yeah, high school. Christopher's but... usually a sexy football player, sexy uh, baseball That's player, That's when I'm in West Hollywood player, and trying sex... to get laid. That wouldn't be appropriate at my mother's part. What did you say you were going to come as to the first Anne Rice uh, gathering of the coven <laughs> that you attended? I said, well, the costumes are usually gothic, you know, and you said. I, well, so I shouldn't come dressed as a bag of fries. <laughs> I really, really wanted to trick you into coming as a bag of French fries. I just, the visual of that among the Akashas and the Ankeels and the Lestats. Eric Shaw Quinn, bag of French fries. I was clarifying it wasn't that kind of costume party. I shouldn't no. come dressed as a bag of fries. Yeah, I think I wore, I think a tuxedo or, oh, I remember I wore a steampunk tuxedo jacket yeah, you that did. I got. All right, I've your, got fun stuff. What's your worst Halloween costume ever? My worst? Yeah, that was the question. Uh, I don't know. Like, I the challenge with costu- with Halloween costumes is you want to wear something that will count as a costume without making you look horrible. Right. Like that sort of the worst. Um, there wasn't one that just went completely wrong, like it fell apart on I'm you? I'm trying to think of, like, not really, like, probably my cagiest was I wore all gray clothing and a picture frame. I went as a portrait of Dorian Gray. <laughs> and nobody got it because they were idiots. And, well, and I didn't care because I was just wearing gray clothes and a portrait was and a and a picture frame hanging around my neck. That was really it. That was I the whole it. costume. I love it. I love it. I love it. Maybe that's a bad costume, but I, I don't know. I, I'm pretty. I've done enough theater and been done, been an actor most of my life, so I'm really I'm really cagey about what costumes I'll put on. Yeah, right. You have a, you have a long rider yeah, in your contract. Absolutely. I had costume approval. All right. We'll be back here very shortly Will on we? Two Loud Gay Guys and a Bunch of Tea. We're leaving. Otherwise known as the Dinner Party Show. We got a short break and then we're going to come back. We're going to check in with How the short? party people about as as long as you need to make me some more tea, friend. <laughs> I, I, I did it in the last you break. Made the, you, you almost didn't make it Record back. Record breaking within... Three seconds. We asked people a question at the top of the show. Has their mind ever been changed by reading or participating in a social media discussion? And we have some very contentious answers, as is to be expected, From given social the topic. Media. Stay with us. All right, then. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. The internet is full of people talking about stuff they hate. So on the dinnerpartyshow.com, we've decided to launch a new feature that's all about stuff we love. That's right. It's called Christopher and Eric's Favorites. Each month, we'll recommend a variety of products we just can't live without so that you can enjoy them, too. You can visit Christopher and Eric's favorites at thedinnerpartyshow.com, and that's where you can also sign up for our newsletter and be the first to know when new favorites are added to the site. And remember, if you use any of the buy links on thedinnerpartyshow.com, a percentage of your purchase will help support the operation of the show. 
You've met her at the beginning of every cop show. Oh my god, I can't believe this is happening to us! Who would want to shoot my husband in broad daylight? She can barely hold it together because she's just lost the person she loves the most. But still, she answers every question from the cops as best she can. But this fall, the tables are about to turn. She's the Wailing Wife, and it's her turn to ask the question. I don't need to talk to no cops about no drive-by. My name is Baby Spider, and everyone afraid of me. Oh my god! Why won't you just answer our questions? Can't you see we're just trying to do our jobs? We work 12-hour shifts without a break. Detective Nelson is so much time from his job he hasn't seen his kids in years. Where are you being so God, lady, Jesus, okay, just stop crying. God, you're crazy. When you're out of threats, tactics, and intimidation, nothing can advance the search for truth like a completely hysterical woman. She's law enforcement's new and not-so-secret weapon. She's the Wailing Wife. You can keep asking me as many questions as you'd like, but I'm sure when my very expensive lawyer arrives, we'll all have to decide whether or not a jury will take the word of an upstanding banker like myself over the claims of a crack-addicted prostitute. so unfair! Why would you think people would believe you just because you're rich? What do you say? He's saying that just because the woman was a prostitute, you had the right to beat her up. What is the matter with people today? Why is the world like this? No, I, I didn't mean it like that. Jesus, why is she so upset? Because you're a complete jerk. That's why. <laughs> some detectives speak truth to power, and some just use their fists. Now it's time for a detective who uses a classic manipulative emotional ploy that can trigger a primal feeling of inadequacy in almost every man on earth. She's the Wailing Wife. This fall on TDPS. Why? Isn't that thing about cops and donuts actually true? I thought we were going to be eating more donuts. <laughs> From the dark, sinister landscape of Hollywood, the land of broken dreams and unkept promises, Eric Shaw Quinn delivers a twisted tale of serial murder, celebrity intrigue, and the bankrupt lives of the tarnished denizens of Tinseltown. Right Murder, the first in his new Right Murder mystery series. Since it's from Eric Shaw Quinn, amidst the horror and mayhem, this is also the laugh-out-loud funny adventures of two of the most unlikely detectives since The Thin Man and Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. I'm Christopher Rice, and I want to tell you about my friend and co-host Eric Shaw Quinn's new novel, Right Murder. It's the story of Angela Panderson, the washed-up has-been TV star, and Paige Blanche, her ghostwriter, former best friend, and current enemy. Together, due to circumstances beyond their ability to control, they reluctantly set aside their feud long enough to find the murderer, clear their names, and, most importantly, get a three-picture deal. 
all while taking you on a tour of the real behind-the-scenes Hollywood and giving you the inside story on the entertainment capital of the world from an Eric's eye view. Right Murder, now available for purchase in your favorite formats through thedinnerpartyshow.com and at Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, and iBooks. Right Murder, fame is murder. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn, where dessert is the most important meal of the day. Welcome back to The Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And I was officially out of fake names for our show, so I had to let that bit go. From our previous segments, Rand Valeron says he designs book covers, including Greg Wilkie's books. We heard from Greg earlier, and he says comments seem to be that it does help them spread the word about books. That's very true. I want to qualify my earlier statement. I think when the logic was about how did they look in the front of the store, that was when they were least likely to sell books. I think now on on Amazon and on BarnesandNoble.com and all those well, websites, it's very crucial. and I think that the, the the nature of what they were, the design changed, like when the. Garp was about if we do this in red foil, will more people see the book because you were seeing it in Literally, person? Yeah. So I think the way in which the books are being designed has certainly changed because the demands have changed. One of the pieces of advice we got from uh, Kim, mm-hmm. uh, who's just a publishing, a digital publishing genius, and we will hear from her later in the month. We pre-recorded totally the interview. Yeah. Get somebody to design your book cover even if you think you're clever don't even fake if you it. think you're really mm-hmm. good at it it's worth a couple of hundred dollars you'll exactly. have to spend to get somebody to actually design your book cover because it will not be as good and there are real demands to it i'm, I'm really happy with the results for um for say uncle and while we had ideas to contribute we we definitely benefited from having a professional Say Uncle and Write Murder, your newest book, which came out a few days ago. We want to remind people, leave a review. It's the kindest thing you can do for an author you're trying to support. Leave a review on Amazon or Goodreads. We don't. Eric Shawquin doesn't read them, so you can be as honest as you like, and we will still welcome you to our dinner party That's right. show. Like I believe that people are entitled to their own opinions. Lord I, knows he has plenty of his own. Right, but you know, I would appreciate it if there'd be opinions about the book and not. I think Eric is a fat moron. Like. <laughs> You mean like the letters to the editor the advocate used to get when I wrote for them? I don't think that's really very helpful or particularly constructive. It's like that the (laughs) the 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 phone interview that I did with the San Francisco Chronicle where they called me Pam's. I I accidentally said her name. Where they called me the dumpy um, ghostwriter. Yeah, was that like, was like, yeah. Well, that's really nice. You never fucking met me, you like, dumb bitch. I, you were on the, we were on a phone interview. Yeah, totally. Oh, dumpy? Do I have a dumpy voice? <laughs> no, you What's have a sexy on? voice. Anyway. So you put out a query for people who have read the book to do, give you some casting choices, and we got some uh, interesting responses, Well, actually, John Matson is the one who came up with the, the idea. I thought it was a great question, and I think we'll continue to pose it because I think the responses were a little low, party people although we've had great response overall. It's your show, so we'll talk about what you want to. This was me trying to force a topic on people. Mm-hmm. Amy suggested um, Reese Witherspoon and Nathan Lane, which I thought was an interesting combination. <laughs> definitely. Or a remake of The Odd Couple. The, the Odd, Odd Couple. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, definitely a strange uh, combination. John, who posed the question, came up with the, a great series. I was going to, He says, I was going to try and make a movie version. Angel would be played by Jamie Lee Curtis and... Ooh. Paige could be played by Alan Cummings mm. and the gorgeous lieutenant by Henry Cavell. 
and he thought of uh, Griselda being played by Lily Tomlin. I think that's oh, really that, that's Henry, really nothing and with Henry Cavill she was would, ever. Yeah, bad. no, yeah. I could always watch Henry. You Cavill. dragged me to that Man from Uncle movie. He says a serious alternative to play Angel is Madonna. And because she's such a great actress, and Paige played by Sean Penn, like, are you trying to, to torpedo my movie? They'll kill each other on set. No, um, Mindy Sterling um, from Austin Powers. Oh yeah, Frau Farbissena from Austin Powers. Yeah, mm-hmm. you would recognize her the minute you saw her uh, as Griselda. Which mm-hmm. I think Griselda really would be a very fun part. Another to play. mention of Paige is Nathan Lane, right down here. Right, Nathan Lane and Carmen Electra, which is really sort that's of like pretty, that's yeah. pretty on the nose. Pretty on Brian the nose. Fuller suggested. Um, uh, oh, the, from uh, from Olive from. Uh, Olive. Pushing Daisies. Oh, wow. Your neighbor, Kristen Chenoweth. Oh, Kristen Chenoweth. Suggested yes. Kristen Chenoweth. She's I, not she, my neighbor anymore. She was. She, she was it, formerly she was. Christopher's she neighbor. She was formerly my neighbor. That's no kind of how we know her. Um, yeah. And, uh, and uh, I thought that was really a fun sort of suggestion. So anyway, I appreciate that, and we'll keep playing with that question. I think that's always yeah. the other one that I've always wanted. Like, who should play Michael if we ever make a movie of say uncle it was mm-hmm. always the ongoing question even when there was actually a movie deal the the question of who to play michael was everybody from jim carrey to uh billy crystal crystal yeah. to uh i always wanted um uh robert downey jr and mm. every but that was back in the day when you mm-hmm. couldn't really count on robert downey jr to show up all the time so every time i brought it up people would say stop bringing that up and look where they are now. Yeah. Look where he is now, and look where those people are now. Uh, well, I don't know where they all are, but that company was bought by Universal, so they're not at that office anymore. Uh, that's for sure. So we're going to keep asking for casting choices as we go along, and we're going to keep talking about Right Murder, because every time we do, some people buy the book, which, which, is, really which I think is great. Well, it's, it is really a challenge. I mean, I think that's another a follow-up to Morgan's question about digital publishing, is figure out how you're going to get the word out about your book, because otherwise, you know, things could be... The, the the internet is a great place to hide something too. It's a it's very a great place crowded marketplace. Yeah, if you just put it out there, nobody will notice. You really have to be prepared to begin to make some noise. And I think I'm uniquely qualified. For the I whole think noise you're very good part. at making noise. So speaking of noise, we asked people at the top of the show had their minds ever been changed by their participation in or readership of a social media discussion. And they got in a huge discussion. fight on our Facebook And they page. got in a huge fight, no. <laughs> Jeffrey Brasher says, no, never. Social media has never dictated my thinking and never will. I enjoy seeing I and reading imagine. the opinions and thoughts of others, but I can't say it's ever influenced me to change my mind. I do think it's a valuable tool for discussion and marketing of one's point of view. Yeah, I agree with that. And, I, and advancing one's point of view. Like, I think it's a great place to ask a question. It's sort of like a live version of those horrible pages that you get sent to when you try and Google something anymore yeah, now. Right. You say, does anybody have experience with plugging in your TiVo? And, you know, three of your friends may know, and they'll actually talk you through it or send yeah, you totally. pictures. Michael Martinez says, my mind has only been changed about the intelligence level of certain people when having political discussions. And the fight, and that, that's how the fight started. On social media. <laughs> Burton Cray says, yes, only if I can validate the facts, which I think is an interesting point, and a lot of work. It's a lot of work to validate all the quote unquote facts you run across on social media. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't. I, I think that would be a complete waste of time. Lamorte Kelly says, by social media alone, no, but if there is enough substantial concrete evidence, then I have changed my mind on issues before. I guess if you link to an article in The Atlantic or something that really, you know, yeah, has done Yeah, but that's really beyond, that transcends social media. I mean, just from, if we're talking strictly in terms of, like, conversations, screaming fits on 
Twitter or people's Facebook pages, those are often not very informative and mostly about venting, which Emotional, I think is valuable. Yeah. Like, and people think that they're like there is a confusion I think in general in the country about. Because I feel something. The, what, yeah. What's her name? Davis, that stupid woman. Kim from, Davis, yeah. Kim Davis is the, the perfect sort of example of like, because I feel this, it's true. And it's like, yeah, that's not actually how things work in the world. And I have to say, too, that the, particularly when people default to that, it's my personal emotional experience. If they're a total stranger on the Internet, it's very hard to buy into that because you don't really know who they are or if you can trust them, particularly if their and photo is a cartoon. And it something true. Yeah, no, I mean, it doesn't. It, but it's very. But to, to have your own feelings changed by somebody else's feelings, you have to have more of a tangible connection to them, or at least think. I do. Anyway, we talked a lot tonight on You're the Guest about independent publishing. And as we said earlier, Liliana Hart and her husband, Scott Silveri, will be our guests Can't wait. next Sunday. And they are independent publishing pioneers. Love Whiskey Rebellion. Great. Yeah, she's, she, is a, she, she knows how to write a book. Uh-huh. I will tell you that. She's also an author in A Thousand and One Dark Nights. But this will be a, a longer interview than our usual Dark Nights Spotlight. Uh, and uh, I think she will have plenty of answers. She travels around and the country. And dancing bears. Dancing bears. Yeah, that's really? what I heard. No, no that, you don't think that's bears. true? No, it's a radio show. It's a union. small studio. They were union. Any final thoughts, Eric Shaw Quinn? Yeah, well, I think if you haven't bought your copy of, of Right Murder, I, I, I don't know why you're... you're you're listening to this show. I don't know why you're listening to this show. The <laughs> ebook is cheap, y'all. Ebook is four ninety nine. It's a lot of fun, and it will really help me to have you know like a career outside. Yeah, of this. totally. Because to we're show. gonna fucking kill each other if he doesn't have something else to do. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you, we had electricians in here, and uh, so yeah. apparently Christopher has a lot of final thoughts, yeah, which anyway. I, looks like I'm gonna hear about after the show. Talitha Wagner says, "Buy right murder, or you end up a character in Eric Shaw Quinn's next book." Ah, now right. there's a threat. <laughs> How do we do this again? I fucked it up the other day. How do I usually close out the show? I say, hi, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you've been listening to The Dinner Party Show. Thanks. That's it. We got it right. I've been to a marvelous party.